The Retail Ready Podcast is proudly sponsored by Botanica Blends. Straight from the Wizard's Cauldron, we stock delicious plant protein for the likes of our famous vanilla cake batter and caramelized popcorn. We've got desserts like our dreamy jelly, vegan custard, and our latest date-free protein bars. We are currently offering 20% off to all Retail Ready podcast listeners until the end of October. So head on down to botanicablends.com.au and use the code READY20 at the checkout. Thanks, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the Retail Ready Podcast. Today, I think we're on a little education journey today. I know it's uh, something that I'm interested in knowing more about. And I would say what we're about to talk about is used in every product that I know of, uh, unless you're just talking the raw components. But today I'm joined by Tyler and Holly, who work for Essential Flavors. So welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Ben. Absolute pleasure having you on board. And I think, well, me and Holly are based in Victoria. Um, we're in separate rooms, but Tyler, you're 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 in the the middle of nowhere in a caravan site, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So um, oh, day day eleven in quarantine at the moment for me. I'm uh up in the Northern Territory in Darwin. Um, thought um uh, about two weeks ago, um, just speaking to my manager at work, and we were figuring out how we're going to do, um, you know, some customer visits this year. And we thought, well, um, it looks like it's not going to happen with what was happening in Victoria at the time. So mm-hmm. we just thought, well, let's, um, there, there's one way around it. If we go through uh, quarantine, we can get into um, into some other states. So, yeah, that's uh, put me put me into quarantine. And um, <laughs> I've got three more sleeps and I get released. So, yeah. That is hilarious. I, I love that they've sent you to quarantine just uh, just as Melbourne's probably just about to get out of lockdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and that, that's great. It's looking uh, uh, as I guess as the uh, podcast is being recorded, it's looking um, looking really positive for Victoria, and it's about time. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're going to touch a lot about flavor and essentials and what you guys do, but. I'm interested to know what's quarantine life like, and I'm sure I'm sure people listening are actually going because we've got people yeah. listening in Australia as yeah. well as outside of Australia. Yeah. And what's what's quarantine been like so far at day eleven? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually been really surprising because uh, I guess in Victoria and I'm a, yeah I'm a Victorian and uh, hearing what's gone on there, and I've had friends coming back from overseas that have done mm. hotel quarantine, and it's nothing like that. Um, hotel quarantine, you can't leave your room. Apparently, you can't even open your window. Um, yep. But here up in the Northern Territory, they've got it in an old um, an old plant, and they've made it. Um, <laughs> it can fit 3,000 people, and they currently have about 800 people here. And um, we've just got like, we're in like a little cabin, which is like a caravan park. Um, and we're allowed to go out twice a day. Uh, we have to wear a mask all times when we're outside. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we get two times tw- twenty minutes. We even um, we even got a swim in the pool yesterday. So oh, living living the life. Living yeah. the life. Yeah, I've, I've, I think compared to Victoria in the last um, in the last eleven days, I've had a lot more social interaction than I have in the last six months in Melbourne. So 
Um, so you're on holiday, never mind quarantine. Well, well don't so don't say that because it's got to. I've got to make it sound like my. Uh, I've got oh, my fit uh, it's, okay. Uh, Stop snitching already, Holly. Jesus, you, you're going to put Tyler. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've got, he's, he's 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 actually sitting in a caravan park having martinis <laughs> with a load of uh, yes. load of people. <laughs> I, think, I think they call them quarantinis, actually, Ben. <laughs> there we go. Good one. Well. Well, let's let's talk about essential. And Tyler, you're probably in the best position to talk because of the role about what essential is. And then Holly, I'm I'm going to be peppering you with questions because I think you've got one of the most fascinating jobs out there that you actually dictate what people will be enjoying and consuming because flavor plays plays such a huge role uh, in what people have every day. So. Just for everyone who's listening, like what is essential flavors uh, and what do you guys do? And a brief overview would be great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, essential flavors, we are a flavor house. Um, and what a, what a flavor house does is they manufacture flavors uh, to use in all different types of products, whether that's food, beverage or nutraceuticals. Um, it is really far-reaching um, in broad range of applications. But um, about essential flavours, um, we're actually located in Melbourne, so uh, in Carrum Downs specifically, so southeast of Melbourne. Um, all the flavours that that we have, we make them uh, we make them on site, so um, locally produced flavours. Um, and, and my role there, as you said, Ben, yeah, I guess uh, my position, which is I've been with essential flavours for about about a year now, um, and my, my job is to go out and kind of show, talk to other food manufacturers in that kind of business-to-business uh, -business sales role and kind of show what, what our products, uh, products can do and what flavours um, can do for their specific application because when, when you talk about flavours, it is really flavours are made to be um, fit for purpose, fit for a specific application. Um, so it, it does get quite technical and that's where I kind of go out and get this, you know, the brief or the information about what a customer needs and then take it back and Holly does all the work, goes um, and looks at all the different um, aspects that go into developing that specific flavour for that specific application. Yeah. Awesome. And we'll, we'll touch more on kind of, yeah, the trends and the, the, the vision that you're seeing flavours going into over next year. But... Holly is waiting patiently and I I want to firstly say Holly how did you become a flavorist like where's what's your story to get to where you are now and welcome to the show oh, thanks for the welcome and um, very interesting to have a chat and um, hopefully I'll be able to um, give you a little bit of a summary of how I ended up as being a flavorist um, because a lot of the industry, the food industry, is not really knowledgeable about flavors and their uses. Um, and I think a lot of consumers have uh, negative ideas concerning flavors um, and virtually um, regard them as the sort of the chemical constituents that are added to foodstuffs um, to try and um, improve on, on the product so that yep. um, consumers will purchase the product. Um, basically, the, the flavours are um, standard compounds which 
are found in uh, all foods. Um, it um, takes place when you have a ripening of fruit. You have the actual the development of the flavors from various chemicals that are present in the green fruit. Um, so we people have actually done research and they've investigated um, what the flavor components of fruit and um, meat products, reaction flavors, um, and they've gone into it and discovered a lot of the components. And um, because it's, um, it's a food product, um, these components are actual chemicals um, which have tend to have a, a negative connotation to, to the fact that they're chemicals, but they they actually um, develop in standard products, which would be fruit and vegetables and meat products, which um, are natural uh, as far as um, the consumers would be regarding natural uh, as close as um, getting the actual fruit as possible. So there's been a lot of research done into how uh, flavor develops in various different foodstuffs and different processes. So um, that's basically where I come in, that um, I'm looking at uh, the chemicals that are found in foodstuff and in ripening fruit and, and vegetables um, and also some in some cases some fantasy products. Mm -hmm. um, that can be used um, to compound uh, a flavor profile. Um, I initially started off in the bakery industry um, that I um, uh, studied food technology uh, because um, I was very interested in biology and obviously um, everybody likes uh, food and is interested <laughs> in eating. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so um, I was looking at um, food technology as more of the process control side of food products uh, and I was actually working in bakery and we used um, some flavours but it was sort of a secondary um, item and I wasn't really that interested in it. Um, and then there was a position that became vacant as a flavorist. Um, and then I um, applied for the position, um, not really fully comprehending what was involved. Um, <laughs> but I'd sort of spent 12 years in the bakery industry and sort of was looking for bigger and better things. So I applied for the position of uh, junior flavorist and was accepted. And from then on, sort of, snowballed from there is just like becoming more and more knowledgeable experiencing different products um, working in different um, countries um, being exposed to different cuisines different tastes and that sort of thing so it, it basically just sort of started from an experiment when I decided to take a chance and, and go for a position that um, I wasn't 100% sure what, what it entailed, but mm -hmm. uh, it sounded interesting. So I thought I will um, give it a, a trial and, and see if I enjoy it. There we go. And how many years ago was that? Oh, that's a rude question. <laughs> <laughs> that was about 30 years ago. I'm not going to give you a detailed Date and that's good work. Have you found then that flavors have improved since you started um, on this journey? And what would a typical day look like for a flavorist? 
Um, flavors have developed um, a lot over the period that I've been working in the industry. Uh, the consumer knowledge and consumer awareness has um, come a lot into play. Um, people become aware of what compounds are in their foodstuffs um, and how it affects their health, um, and they become more demanding as far as um, compounds and the, the making of flavors, the use of flavors. Um, initially, there was a lot of... Um, ignorance about um, what we would classify as synthetic flavors um, and it was a lot of the um, importance was laid on the cost of the flavor and its um, practicality in use um, yep. if it if it fitted the function and it was within um, a reasonable cost um, then it was uh, acceptable but um, over the years, a lot of the, I think the consumers have become more knowledgeable and more um, selective as to um, the flavors that they like. Um, and they, they prefer, I think, a lot of the more uh, true to fruit uh, type products and the more authentic type of flavors. Um, and they, they're very aware of um, some of the components if they hear um, uh, a chemical that's yep. discussed in, in one of the television discussions or uh, programs, um, it becomes a very quickly becomes a bar word that they don't mm -hmm. actually want that component in any of the food that they're eating. Um, so it, it's a lot more um, knowledgeable. The, the consumers are a lot more knowledgeable and a lot more aware of um, the dangers and the subtle uh, ingredients that go into food stuff. Yeah, so it's in, yeah, in, it's it's so interesting because, well, I've been eat, I've been eating food all my life and probably been having flavors in every component of food in my life. But it was only actually until I came to see you guys at Essential Flavors last year, and actually seeing the process of how flavors are made was just like it was incredible and i think if if consumers actually saw what's involved from even the lab side that you work in holly every day like seeing all the different pieces of equipment and kind of the testing and the process and the science behind it i think i think a lot of people would actually then treat flavors uh very differently because it's such a fascinating space and can you briefly go through the process as to where it begins to then at the end of the day like and uh tyler you're yeah. constantly dropping off flavors that are either in liquid form or powder form um that taste like the real deal so how, how's that process made whether it's tyler or holly i don't know who's best to explain that one well i'm i'm happy to to start with that because uh, in a lot of cases like yeah we're bringing in you know it could be a brief from a customer or we're seeing something that's out there um and we'll, we'll bring that in, whether it's a, you know, a, a new variety of strawberry or even a, a, a pastry, a croissant, we can bring that mm. in, we can bring that into the lab and then say, Holly, we want this as a flavor. And that's where Holly's got all these tools where she's able to get it and obviously come up, you know, we might say a croissant is, 
is buttery and she'll come up and use all the, the chemical terminology and go, <laughs> oh, that's actually. <laughs> yeah. That is actually acetotoco acid. Yeah. It's like, uh, is that butter? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> that's the language. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, and that I think with um, the we've got some around quality con- um, our QC lab as well, which they use uh, in a way of um, kind of looking at raw materials that we buy in, um, but also from a development point of view, they've got a, a machine called uh, GCMS, which Holly's in a better position to talk to you about that. But um, essentially, if it's a, a green apple or a specific variety of strawberry, we yeah. can. We can put this a sample of that raw material or that product in there, and it'll analyze it and tell us what you know chemical components are made up in that particular um, that particular product. And then from there, with Holly's skill, she can look at you know there might be a thousand different chemical compounds, but there's only potentially a handful that are going to be characterizing to develop the flavor. And I think. That's where that that's what that blew my mind away when Holly was um Holly Holly was telling me about those tools that she has a, in her disposal. But Tyler, what yeah. I, what I what I did want to touch on is kind of your your role there moving things forward. Yep. Um from a flavor so when you go to visit like the people like myself and Scalzo mm-hmm. and all different customers, what are the flavors that you've noticed this year have kind of because at the start of the year, everything was going all cushy. Everyone had their pipeline projects and stuff like that. Yep. And then f- everyone's changed. Have you noticed that from a flavor perspective um, f- between businesses? Like, have you noticed a change this year? And then we'll talk about next year. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Well, there was, I guess, you know, through March, April, May, there was a bit of a slowdown in, you know, kind of people holding off to really know what was what was happening and we did see a bit of a slowdown in uh, the pipeline Um, but then that that came back with a huge resurgence and um, we did see a lot of um, you know things being driven by um, health and wellness products um, and also a lot of flavors that either work with health and wellness or also a a big demand for flavor um, modulators so flavor maskers that might work okay might work with um, some of these, you know, either functional ingredients that are being used in products um, to get that wellness um, or health claim. Um, so I guess when when it comes to the flavour, you've got a, um, you know, it's it's a key um, component to create and build that overall taste profile. No, the the flavour in itself isn't going to just you know be standalone it works with the product to create that overall taste and that's where i guess we have to make sure uh, we we're partnering with all our suppliers to make sure that we're hitting that um that taste profile and the flavors delivering on that um but i think from specifically uh when we talk about you know health and wellness flavors as well as things like you know your fruits um things like berries and even like kiwi fruit or golden kiwi fruit yeah um and things like pomegranate, they're, they've definitely, we're getting a lot more requests for those sorts of flavors as well as uh, earthy and spicy flavors um, have been have been really popular coming. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that, things like cardamom, cinnamon, and ginger. Um, and I think as well, not just these flavors working with those products, but also having that health halo effect as well. So 
Um, that that's definitely one aspect. Um, but yeah, you can. We've got many different aspects where, depending on what um, you know, who the customer is, whether they're in yeah. that what segment they're in, and that's probably more that health and wellness area. Um, on the other side of that, so on the flip side of that, you also have that you know more want for indulgence, that comfort, and I think as you know, we're heading into somewhat uncertain times as well, um, whether it's economy or even just um, what's happening with um, COVID-19, um, there's definitely been a push for comfort, indulgence, and also nostalgia-type flavours. Um, and with that, that's, you know, things like your, um, things like a cheesecake or a, a lemon meringue pie or lemon curd, things that are associated, uh, we can associate with something, you know, in the past and brings out that nostalgia um and so so those sorts of flavors are, are, are really um are really popular we're seeing people using that in you know different ice cream formulations trying to really um bring that nostalgia out yeah it's really that's interesting because yeah it's um everything that we do here and kind of even just seeing what people have brought out it's all about the home comfort and it just makes perfect sense that, yeah, the, the comforting flavours that you've mentioned and the warming flavours, the cinnamon, the gingers, uh, are present in that product. So I, I think it's fantastic that, yeah, that's that's played on. Mm. But then when you look forward, and I'd love to say that 2021 will be a year that kind of then gets everyone's pipeline back in track and and I, I, I can see a massive drive for health and fitness. I think this has actually been a, a huge kind of, not wake-up call, but um, hopefully when the gyms come back open and people start venturing outside, people will then go, okay, I've, I've piled on a few pounds over COVID. Um, what do I need to do to, to shift it? And I think I think personal trainers will probably be the, the biggest industry next year. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully not too long. But... Yeah. What do you see for next year coming in terms of trends from a flavor point of view, yep. which will then probably then build into the products really, won't it? Yeah, definitely. And that I think when we when we look at that and three kind of key trends, which are going to be driven by the products, which the flavors will, you know, work with, is things like uh, plant power, um, which is considered a plant trend is, you know, it's not just um, more ethical compared to, you know, dairy um, dairy products and stuff like that, but um, it's also you know better carbon footprint, sustainability. Um, so that's really around the conscious consumer. We're really seeing that kind of plant based, and from that again, when you're dealing with those plant um, plant types of raw materials, um, that's where you know we do a lot of testing internally to see what kind of challenges our, you know, our customers are going to run into when they're using these, you know, new plant raw materials. And we, we find that they can be very powerful um, in flavor and taste. So we have to look in a lot of cases at maskers, things that can work at masking those um, or making them a little bit more palatable, um, but also working with those profiles. And that's where, you know, I think things like um, whether it's uh, botanicals, um, as well, um, and as, as well, Australian native flavors. And that also kind of links into something that you've probably heard a bit around in the trends of, um, you know, people seeking a little bit more for local produce and local products. And really, you know, there's one aspect that's looking at that into a side of sustainability because it is better for a, a footprint to source things yeah. more locally. 
Um, and that's where, you know, Australia, Australian natives as well come into that story of local, but they also celebrate the culture of Australia. Um, so that's when we're talking about Australia as a whole, but um, cultural celebration will happen over, in, you know, all over the world for, you know, local to where, um, local to where the products are. But the, the interesting thing about Australian natives as well is that it's also got that well-being, health, and even beauty associated yeah. with it. So I think we're really going to see a surgence of Australian native flavours and we're seeing it, you, you know, I was on on MasterChef the other night, they did a, a Davidson Plum Spores flavour, um, one of the kids did that. And I, I, I think we're seeing a lot more conscious consumers looking at those sorts of um, aspects and um, the Australian natives are going to hit multiple trends and I think we're going to see a big surgence in the, in the use of them as well as the the flavors and yeah no I, I completely agree and it's um it's funny because how i work is try and pick up different triggers from different whether it's industries or people or just even behavior and consumer behavior mm. and we uh, the previous episode um we we had mintel on and jody from mintel basically was saying that and it just strengthens your um your views there because you're saying, well, people can't travel further than Australia. So you'll be more inclined to try local cuisine, local flavors, yeah. and then that will have a knock-on effect. And for you from the um, the chefing world, kind of, you'll understand that there's things that kick off in fashion then trickle down into the restaurants, which then trickle down into kind of mainstream. And then before you know it, it's the flavor of the, the muesli bar on the shelf. And, mm. It's yeah, you saying that plus a few things. I think next year is yeah, a great year for Australian native ingredients and there's there's so much to play around with. You've delivered a few like concepts recently and like it's what you can do with them is fantastic. So yeah. Yeah, no, de- definitely. And I think with like how flavor works into that kind of segment as well as that, you know, in some of these native flavors when you have the, you know, the bush tucker bush tucker, if you actually have it by itself, it can be quite um, quite weak or quite tart. And I guess one of the abilities that the flavorist can do is put it through the, you know, the analytical equipment, have a look at some of the characterizing flavors and really build a flavor that's characterizing to those can, you know, components of whether it's an Australian native flavor or even things like lemon curd, pavlova or black currant. They're able to, you know, take those characterizing components and then put it into that nice little format that can reach so many different types of products. So that that's, I guess, the world of flavors and the the ability that um, flavors um, as a raw material um, can give products. Oh, I, th- I think that's fantastic. And I think what I like about these little podcast sessions from an education piece is, yeah, it's definitely, we've got Holly touching on kind of the whole spin of where flavors have gone and I'll, I'll be totally honest. I thought flavors were the devil when, uh, like from about 16, 17, when I was actually paying attention to the back of pack and you see the flavors. And I think in Australia, um, with the whole NAFNAC, so not, no artificial flavors and colors, mm. you, 
that is actually driven kind of more consumer education piece. But mm. you used to see all these weird chemical names. And I just, do you ever, do you ever remember the Sunny Delight story? Holly, were you ever, you, were you ever across the Sunny Delight story? No, no, I don't think I was in Australia at that stage. Yeah. I just, if, if I'm, I'm sure everyone, if they're from the UK listening, will understand like Sunny Delight, but basically, a brand kicked off and everyone thought it was healthy and this orange juice was just like <laughs> it was like neon colored orange juice oh, and everyone healthy. seemed to think yeah. it was healthy oh and it was turning it was turning kids orange and oh. like literally wow. <laughs> and, it was, it was, and then people realized how many chemicals were in there and i think that product didn't help with people going oh it was all the flavor and all the preservatives and i think the space that you guys are in now, um, just trying to help, yeah, build that because seeing your process, it's it's fantastic, and I I, f- I think more and more people should, yeah, kind of get across the flavors that they're putting in the products. Yeah. Well, not not to digress there, but uh, interesting that you said that the product turned them orange. I know carrots can do that. My my stepbrother when he was younger, he <laughs> ate that many carrots, he went orange. So natural <laughs> products can make you have interesting responses. <laughs> <laughs> I find it yeah. fascinating. Well, I just want to say thank you for your time because this was to educate people and even the industry as to who you guys were, what you do, where flavors come from, and kind of just some insights. And I think uh, Tyler, you, you you nailed it on kind of yeah what what's to come and kind of what this year has been. And Holly, absolute pleasure to have your experience. And yeah, look forward to seeing you both hopefully very soon but uh tyler might actually be stuck in quarantine for longer so who knows i don't think think he's suffering that much (laughs) it's really it's really hard guys but no ben thank you so much for for um having us on on the show to just talk about flavors i've been following your podcast for for some time now and it's um it's an amazing podcast and i think it's um just to kind of open things up and make the make the industry more transparent um is only it's 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 a really good thing so thanks for having me thank you and to to finish off so if anyone is listening even if it's a startup or someone wanting to to try you guys out where's the best place to find uh more details and yes get get a brief over to sorry holly because this actually might mean you have to do some work (laughs) while while tyler's son is up so yeah where's the best place to send send people yeah no you can um you can go to our uh our website which is um www.essentialflavors.com.au um yeah that way or you can you can find us on linkedin as well um you'll be able to find essential flavors or um myself on linkedin and you can send us an email or a message and yeah definitely um, would love to hear from people. We, I think we hard, like there's so much um, more we can we can touch on in this area. And we actually run a flavor academy, um, which uh, we run this pro- about monthly at the moment, and we do it for anyone in the industry um, for our customers. And we just kind of unveil a bit more um, a bit more about the industry and how flavors are made, and also the considerations you need to have as a um, as a food tech or a manufacturer. Um, the considerations you need to have when you use these in your product. So 
Um, That's a great. Is that Flavor Academy still going on? Um, because I've done one in person, but yeah. hope, are they are they still they still happening? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've got. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, we're doing them through COVID. We've uh, we had to switch. We usually did it in per- person, but now we've uh, we're doing it in the webinar format. And uh, Holly, Holly, and uh, Agnes do a great job delivering that. We actually send out kits to our customers. Um, and we go through the whole flavor descriptors and also touch on the regulation and all the considerations um, yeah you need when you're when you're using flavor so it's a really informative course and um, yeah we'll be uh, we share that with um, any of our customers yeah yeah definitely well I've, I've done it twice and highly recommend it and hence getting to know yeah Holly and uh, yourself Tyler so if anyone once they get clued up, uh, yeah, head, head on over to Essential because yeah, it's 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 a good just to learn and find out. But thank you again, guys. It's uh, yeah, always good to learn and always good to hear someone who's doing some great things in the industry. Yeah, and we'll have to touch on that next time about our flavors used in our dog treats as well. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, well, 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 let's get that product out on the market first, and then uh, don't want anyone stealing that idea. <laughs> <laughs> Take care of yourself, guys. Bye. Thanks, man. Thank you.